Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews. Always glad to be here, excited about really the upcoming season for trade shows. You know, I love getting on the road. Um, And I just kind of got back from an event. Uh, Reliable Plant was awesome. I love that energy and got to talk about culture, but I also found Jeremy. So uh, I want Jeremy to kind of introduce himself to you. And thanks for being on, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Charlie, it was great to uh, share share a stage uh, you know, with you at, at Reliable Plant. And so, yeah, so I'm Jeremy Drury. Uh, I'm a client leader for an architecture firm out of Cincinnati. And so you may be thinking, what in the world is a workplace strategist architecture guy uh, doing on a Reliable Plant stage? Um, and that's because I also, I'm a consultant uh, and I consult as a connector between like vendors and the shop floor in the industrial IoT space, um, because I have found that most of them don't know how to date each other. Uh, and so maybe I'm like a hitch, like a matchmaker, you know, kind of in in that space. Um, and I imagine we're going to figure out how in the world that I wear, you know, both of those hats uh, as we kind of learn a little bit more. Yes, because that, we want a lot of people yeah. to be able to wear those hats <laughs> and talk to each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, so for me, kind of how those worlds begin to intersect. And so, uh, you know, out of I'm a I'm a great recession grad. Uh, so I had to fight tooth and nail to be an intern uh, post an MBA, you know, back in 2000, 2009, 2010. Uh, I'm a Cincinnati guy, by the way. Um, you know, and so I actually started my very first job uh, was in dry ice solutions. And so I always thought I was going to be more of like a creative type. And just by the nature of the job market, I found myself in dry ice uh, solutions. And it I mean, really I always think it's amazing how like the more people you talk to in this field, there are so many different jobs out there. There really oh, yeah. is. And, and yeah. so uh, I didn't see that coming, dry ice. Yeah. And so what did you do there? So interestingly enough, and so I think most of us, when we think dry ice, we either think like 80s rock band, like fog machines, not so not that. Um, but very like industrial. So we had two business lines. Company was called Cold Jet, amazing company. Uh, two primary business lines. One is like these big machines that actually manufacture dry ice. So think like food transport. Uh, they had a, you know, again, no real good benefit of COVID, but COVID really boosted their business because all of the uh, medical transport, you know, of vaccines and all that. So really on the cold chain. So that was one side of the business, which wasn't mine. So my side of the business uh, you actually can use dry ice as an industrial cleaning and surface preparation. So if you think like power washing and sandblasting, uh, and I'm trying to not to nerd out here, but the technology is really cool. And so if you think if I'm going to go sandblast a boat uh, or something like that, you have this like secondary waste stream. So all this dirty sand has to go somewhere. So interestingly enough, dry ice actually sublimates on impact. So it literally vanishes. So as it goes from a solid to a gas, you clean the surface, you don't have the secondary waste stream. And so that was my business line. Uh, and I really fell in love with innovation and, you know, cool products and, you know, all that stuff. And so that really started to orient me into the industrial space, uh, which I found a lot of passion. Um, now, where do you get yeah. that from? Where do you get that like passion? Is it just from working there or did you kind of somebody in your family or anything like how did you find your way into this? 
Yeah, you know, I would tell you, like, I, it's it's hard for me as an, I, I call myself an elder millennial, but it's hard for me as a millennial to call myself like a renaissance man, because uh, I don't think I've had enough, some people would say I haven't had enough life experience to be a renaissance man, but I've actually done quite, quite a lot, uh, which we'll, we'll get to, but you know, I've I've done everything from uh, shoot some documentaries in Africa and Guatemala. Uh, I've managed in fine dining, uh, you know, kind of again in that recession years, you just had to kind of figure some stuff out. And what I've found about myself is that, you know, I'm going to be highly binary here, but I'm going to tell you there's two types of people in the world. I hate when people say that, but there's two types of people in the world, right? You get like the specialists that just do their thing so incredibly well and they're, they're mission critical. And then you get people like me call myself like a lens guy. So whatever, whatever lens I put on, I'm always going to look through it through the same. I love strategy. I love making sense of problems and I love creating like good stories through it, you know? And so I, I'm a big board game geek. And so like, it's always in my friend circle, like I'm always the one that has to explain the new board game. Cause I just have a passion of trying to make complex things easier for people to understand. So regardless of whatever you put in front of my face, I'm going to attack it kind of very similarly to better understand how to take techno babble into something that feels more like edible to the every person that's and a, go from there. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a superpower uh, to be yeah. able to do that and people to, you know, catch on and, and really be able to apply what they're learning. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I did, um, so I met you on the stage, but it was really like listening to your, your program there. Amazing that you, you kind of talked about it earlier with the storytelling. It was, mm-hmm. it started with the story, right? It started, um, and you get people thinking and their minds just kind of go. Um, and so that's in everything you do, right. Um, uh, to be able to see that picture. Um, so I really fell in love with that aspect. And so, um, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but but I just want everybody to know storytelling is important. You know, we talk about it on the podcast a lot. And I saw that in you and your like excitement about that in the industry. So um, tell us how you got from, you know, dry yeah. ice on. Yeah. Uh, and so I did take a brief stint. So when I when I um, moved on from from cold jet, I had an opportunity to go into the architecture and design space. So when I was in college, I, you know, my undergrad, I graduated with a degree in marketing and commercial real estate. I thought for sure I was going to have this big passion about commercial real estate. And I jumped right into the market at the worst possible time to ever have a passion in commercial real estate, 2007, (laughs) right? And so I was, you know, so a good friend of mine uh, and a former colleague was like, hey, I want you to come to this firm um, and really... uh, you know, I thought maybe this may like satisfy some of that itch to get into like the built space. Right. But it was in a marketing and business development role. And I will tell you, I'm so grateful that I had that experience because it's one thing to market products. You can hide behind patents and differentiation than to go and try and market services when everyone's kind of saying the same thing. Right. We've got great people. We, you know, and so it's like, all right, yeah, everyone's kind of saying the same thing. And so it really kind of like shifted again, that storytelling mindset of how do you, how do you kind of be in the same space that everyone else with brilliant designers are trying to do the same thing? How do you captivate someone and find new value in this, in the thing that you're doing, which can excite and kind of ignite people to go from there. And so I did that for a little while. uh, And then I had a rare opportunity uh, to go and jump into this industrial IOT space. So we're circa like 2016 or so. Uh, I meet a gentleman who I was familiar with his company from my day at Cold Jet. Uh, they were actually a large hydraulics distributor, uh, you know, in the Midwest. 
And he was a very innovative person. And I remember he had this idea of a pump monitoring device. And he, we met at a first watch for breakfast and he slides this box across the table for me and opens it up. And you see like the glow coming from the box, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I've got this thing, but he's like, we're a distribution. So we don't really know how to like take products. And so kind of tapping into my innovation background, like how can you actually build an entire business around, you know, uh, some technology, in a like bleeding edge industry, which was the IoT space in kind of that mid mid 2010s. And so we ended up starting a call it like a skunk works startup y kind of a thing around this product, and then was able to expand the product line and the service capabilities and just be met with the constant pain and maddening frustration of the early days of the IoT. Uh, which I ended up still talking quite a bit about uh, in 2023 on a stage at Reliable Plant around some of those same same frustrations. Yeah, and I think that that's it. I mean, I understand this world. I know I'm not in the operation side or you know the product side, but you know, trying to teach uh, engineers why social media was important 10 plus years ago was really difficult, and so I can kind of see how any kind of digital technology and the the challenges there, like the the first is like getting understanding the why, right? Get that mm-hmm. understanding of why do we need digital tools? You know, it's a challenge to even discuss that. And yeah. then for everybody to get on board with kind of a new way of doing things all at the, the right time, right? Well, and that's what, you know, and so what I used to, you know, preach back in my early days uh, in the IoT space is, again, I'm not an engineer, mad respect for engineers, they solve all the world's problems, we can just talk about it maybe a little bit better than than some other other people, you know, and so, you know, what I always what I always invited is that like, but at the end of the day, like, we're all context engineers, because I'm a big believer that the distance that separates people from their problems is measured in context, mm-hmm. right. And so, find, you know, find a shop floor manager or a director of operations or a manager of reliability who has unexpected downtime in the middle of the night. I can assure you that they are in a desperate hunt for context before their boss comes in the morning and be like, why haven't we produced any widgets in the last six hours? So they're going to go search for every last bit of context to help talk about why this problem happened in the first place, right? And that's where IoT really helped to like tell and inform that story. Because again, I think you know, typically in a very kind of like zeros and ones, you know, uh, environment, which is is a shop floor, either it's working or it's not, either it's producing 10% more widgets than it was yesterday, or it's not, you know, the IoT space helps to tell a better story to really kind of grow uh, capabilities on in the, in the shop floor space. Um, and so I know so many like the shop floor managers that I would talk to that were just like desperate to get IoT into the business. They couldn't figure out how to tell the right story, the right business case to make it to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so I, I want you to do that. I want you to tell us everything we need to know about IoT. Yeah, uh, you know, and so and you know, for instance, I always, you know, one of the 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 gentlemen that I talked about often in in my early days is I, I called him Boomerang Ted. This is a real life person. I nicknamed him Boomerang Ted, but anyway, he, uh, you know, he was the director of operations at a plastics injection molding facility. And not an exaggeration, Charlie, you had to have a conversation with this guy in like tweet length nuggets because he was constantly getting radioed. He'd be like, all right, so Ted, here's what we're here to do today. Ted, we've got a line down. On sh-. And he would have to be like, sorry, guys, I'm going to run over here. So you come back. All right. So as we we're saying, Ted, we got to do, you know, and, and he would just like literally just boomerang back and forth. And you're like, good grief. 
we're never going to be able to solve this problem because, and this is something that I'll, you know, kind of really, that is still the big thing that the IoT solves is it's um it's a, it's a capacity issue, right? I mean, we know that the great like machine whisperers they're going to be retiring in in droves, right? You know, and and my generation and the generations that are coming after me, they haven't really found the same interest to really want to understand like the mechanics of how industrial processes work. And so, you know, you got these 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 men and women that know how to knock on a machine a certain way or just kind of feel it in their gut on when something's wrong. Well, if you don't not to mention like the skill gap in between there, but you're going to need uh, what we call force multiplication. You're going to need more more capabilities to better understand your your shop floor environment to be able to have those more informative conversations uh, with your greater organization on what's going on. Because again, the the one thing that I promised, uh, you know, on at on the stage at Reliable Plant is nobody's going to be getting an injection of staff anytime soon not going to happen. Whatever hopes you have of, of building out your staff, it's probably going to go the opposite way, you know, especially because, uh, you know, I spent some time talking about C-suites and the C-suite just unrelenting desire to always just be after the next thing before really optimizing the thing that came before it, you know? And so if anything, we hear McKinsey's out there saying 30% of our work functions are going to be replaced by AI by 2030, Right. And I would say some shop floor applications are subject to that. Now, again, McKinsey's hit rate is a little all over the place, as most of those kind of big, you know, big organizations are, you know, but we, if we are not careful um, and we haven't gotten the IoT traction that we desperately need, you know, we're going to really set ourselves up for a more rude awakening because, you know, what used to be traditional PMs and walks around the plant are no longer possible just because the sheer time it takes to go and effectively PM every machine. If you're not bolstered with some additional sensing capabilities, you're going to be dead to rights uh, with the production requirements that, you know, organizations are going to require. Yeah. One thing you you mentioned that, that kind of stuck with me, and I know you had the chart up there showing kind of IoT, people aren't really talking about it as much as they are AI, and but we haven't solved that. We haven't you know, educated everybody. We haven't gotten everybody on board, so we can't forget about that and move on. Um, I thought that was really telling. And uh, I think that, you know, figuring out where you are in your plant was one of them, right? How mm-hmm. can, what, what's the next step for you uh, as an operator or or even a manager of other people? How do you, how do you improve upon that? Uh, I know we yeah. talked a lot about that too. Yeah. And so, and again, this is where I, you know, and, and, Again, I think people are so desperate for silver bullets in this space or so desperate for the next thing. And so help me, I want to scream every time someone gets on a stage and starts talking about industry 5.0. And I'm like, y'all, we're like, we're like industry 3.5, like at best right now. Like give us a minute, you know, to figure this out, right? But, you know, the angle that I took um, is one just rooted in like deep human connection. Because I think that's where this is just continues to be a giant miss. We have forgotten how to talk to each other only exacerbated by just, you know, when I put my more like corporate hat on of just like the new distributed workforce where a lot of people are remote now and everything like that. I know that's a little bit different than like the shop floor, uh, you know, and all of that, but you know, the, the missing piece of just being able to either like work better with partners, facilitate conversation up and down the flagpole to get organizations where they need to go. It's almost like, you know, and again, I know, uh, I'm always a, a a fender of my own generation and those that, that come after me, but our obsession with just burying our face in technology, again, just being able to have good, candid conversations 
we waste each other's time so significantly, especially in this pilot thing that we do very poorly in the IoT space. That's why, you know, spent some time at the end kind of talking about how to structure some better pilot programs that we can actually get traction, you know, and so, you know, happy to kind of walk through some of those points again, if, you know, yeah, they should, they should absolutely contact yeah. you and go through that. They, I, I think that that's it. It's like you've been in the industry. You kind of, you, you know, have seen these different parts. You understand. I like to say this about myself, too. Um, I understand, like, I got the first computer at my school. I remember kind of pre-computer, you know, then we got the computer. And now fast forward all of the technology that's that's out there. I can kind of understand those worlds and those different generations. Uh, but but how do we talk to people and get everybody on board to move forward? And I think it's, you're so right on with the conversations. We have to have real conversations with people. And, you know, that's where the magic happens. The innovation, you know, we're doing uh, Epic Empowering Pumps and Industry Conference in November, and it's an imagining innovation. And in my imagining of this, I am really imagining people talking to each other, you know, really having, you know, that, that moment of, Hey, I'm excited about being in industry. I'm excited to get to meet you. Somebody who has, you know, past experience that I don't know about, or a person in the new generation to come. That's like, yeah, I'm ready to learn all about this. Oh, this is cool. Let me know more, you know? So there's so much there if, if you want to open your mind a little bit and have a conversation, but I do want a little, you know, this is kind of your past world. You've moved into architecture, but you can't really move into that without taking the knowledge that you have. And I know from our clients in the residential and commercial building, there's a lot that goes into that in the digital space as well. So how are you navigating that now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, back to the lens, like I I have just a deep passion for solving complex people problems, right? You know, I remember I had a, a former executive who I still look up to, you know, one of the former businesses that I used to run. And he would, you know, in my kind of moments of frustration, he'd be like, well, business would be better if people weren't involved, right? And I'd be like, yeah, thanks. You know, help, yeah. not not very okay. helpful. But, you know, and, and, and I think, again, like, much that similar, you know, similar situation, like when we think about the com- the complexity that's facing the modern workforce and workplace, I mean, it's been completely disrupted and dismantled by, by COVID. And so now we've got all this distributed work and you get distributed work, which has a lot of benefits. I mean, there's, I think there was a recent JLL study that said 77% of people that are working hybrid or remote want to remain hybrid or remote. Uh, you know, again, I've got a young family, like on the days I work in a hybrid environment, which I'm grateful for. I mean, I love being in the office. I love connecting with people. And I love the fact that I can walk downstairs to grab a drink of water and give my 20 month old a hug right. uh, along the way. Like you can't replace that. Right. And yet they have also found that, uh, you know, they're actually calling it an epidemic is there's a loneliness epidemic now that's been kind of erupted based on the lack of connections that people have in the work environment. And that's, and that's crazy. Like, you know, that, that we're in that space and we, we haven't quite yet figured out how to solve for it. And so kind of pulling these worlds together, uh, the thing I love about the IOT space is it offers better, faster, more real-time data. Uh, And a lot of workplace and workforce, we still love to cite lagging indicators. KPIs by their nature are lagging indicators. Uh, Hey, I'm going to take a survey. I'm going to do a postdoc survey. And it's going to be six months after the fact or a year after the fact. And we're going to try and set strategy on a world that moves way too fast for these lagging indicators. And so how can we take concepts like the IoT 
and invite them into, now to be fair, like my firm also does industrial design, you know, and all that as well. I focus more on the federal workforce, you know, side, but how can we continue to look at more like experiential data, better, faster data into the organization so we can make better decisions inside these like behemoth buildings Mm -hmm. that aren't very flexible by their nature. Uh, And so again, I love just jumping in the muck with people and trying to help them sort through and make sense of these very complex problems that they're they're trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, because uh, I'm just imagining all these empty buildings, right? Because of uh, you, I haven't ever heard it called that the distributed workforce. That makes so so much sense. I like that picture. Uh, yeah. But just to what do we do with these buildings, and what does it look like in the future? And then um, to the point of people not connecting. I mean, that is a necessary just for your. Um, in community with one another, right? But then if you're not connecting with people and being inspired by others, I mean, that just this past week, um, I've been on a couple of plant tours, heard some history, met some new people, and you just are ex- inspired by interacting with people, hearing from them and being ex- excited about what they're excited about, right? That really does move the needle. It brings your employees back to the office, if you will, if it's their home or their, um, you know, office building. And they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to work on this. So I, I do encourage people to still go out and look for opportunities to interact with people and, and visit a plant when they can. Well, and, and I would just tell you like, and the, the biggest issue there, it's, it's time, you know, and that's, and that's something that shop floor managers and shop floor personnel don't have to give. And so what used to be a five minute run in at the office now is a 30 minute teams meeting. If you have all this extra time waste and you just go from teams meeting to teams meeting or zoom meeting or, you know, right. whatever it may be, and this is gobbling up too much of our time, which we already don't have. And so again, haste makes waste. And so now we're forced to do faster PM checks, you know, and so taking that all back to like having that like very foundational, a partner ecosystem with trusted partners, uh, thankfully, the IoT space is in a spot where all the riffraff got pushed out, um, you know, where I think those that are left are still in a really good position as good solution providers. So we got to start looking beyond our walls of our organizations for better support through trusted partners. And again, we got to be more honest with each other where it's like, hey, Charlie, like, I'd love to spend an hour with you to talk about this. I think we can do it in 10 minutes. And I think it'll actually be better for both of us if we keep this to like a 10 minute conversation or, hey, I know you just sent me a 45 minute meeting with eight people. Can we actually think about the cost of this meeting to have eight people on this meeting who would probably just be CC'd on an email? So again, it's just trying to invite a new conversation that allows us to better protect the thing that we need the most, which is the time to do our jobs well. Yeah, uh, that is wonderful. And I I do believe that um, the default setting, like I have, depending on which calendar I pick, there's a default setting of time, right? And so uh, I remember the first time I saw a 15 minute meeting invite put on my calendar. I was like, wow, we've, we're getting to the point. We better be ready. Yeah. And like, but that's what we need. And we definitely need that at least five minute buffer. Um, I want to say like 15 in between meetings to even think about what just happened. Right. You need some reflection time uh, before you move right on into the next thing, because those days, me and me and Becca talk and laugh about this. Uh, we only had one recently where we messed that whole calendar up. But I was like, what happened today? You know, like we yeah. just went back to back to back. And it just that's not great work, right? We want to have great work and, and move the needle. So what, Jeremy, as far as like what's going on with you, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a great, a great question. You know, again, as I 
as I alluded to on the reliable plant stage is, you know, I know the IoT space continues to be just frustrating as could be. Uh, and so, again, what I would, would say up there is give your IoT vendors the, the right conversation. If you're going to set up a pilot project with them, just be honest and upfront. A, have them be specific on what they're offering. Can they solve a specific problem for you? A lot of IoT vendors love to come in and say, hey, I'll go anywhere you want. Just plug me in. Those don't work. I'm sorry. Like they just, there's too much of a time horizon there. We don't have time for it. So be specific, set an end game. What's the pilot promise? Okay. So it's going to cost me full numbers here. The idea would be, all right, I've got $50,000 and I've got six months and I got this application. This, these are the parameters. And if you can do those three, great. And if you can't, we're going to eject and we're going to move on to the next thing. Why can't we just have that conversation with each other? You know, we make it, you know, there's a great uh, uh, sales model, which I won't, I won't talk specifics on here, but like the model to suggest that by human nature, the five steps of the selling process is lie, steal, lie, lie, hide, you know, and it's not because we're evil human beings is we just don't know how to talk to each other. You know, we don't want to let each other down. I mean, coming from the Midwest, Oh, it's exhausting sometimes. We're just like, just say what you need to say. Uh, and we'll we'll figure it out. You know, we're all big boys and girls. Uh, you know, and so again, I would just say, you know, continue to approach candor and again, mindful of time. Do not let yourself get sucked up into meeting vacuums. Fight for your time uh, to our point. Like, hey, be that person. It's like, I know you scheduled a 30-minute meeting. I think we can do it in 15. Or hey, can we start this five minute, you know, start this 30-minute meeting with a five-minute buffer? And for those that want to come for the first five minutes, let it be some social like water cooler time. And for those that need that kind of break in between meeting to meeting, offer that uh, as well. You know, again, uh, Charlie, we love to overcomplicate stuff as human beings. Like, let's just take a breath and kind of think back to like, how can we simplify it? So I did the whole Vince Lombardi, this is a football that I think sometimes with this just like massive influx of technology you know, we forget, you know, that ingestion without digestion leads to indigestion, you know, and we're just stuffing too much in, you know, at one time. And so we just got to, you know, rebalance, uh, rebalance ourselves both on our shop floor and on our production, and as well as our workspaces and our workplaces, uh, as we confront, you know, the many unknown unknowns, you know, that lie ahead in uh, this crazy, crazy world that we live in now. Yeah. Um, and if y'all haven't, if y'all were at Reliable Plant, um, I'd go back and listen to Jeremy's talk. I know every time you, you're talking a little bit about it, I'm like, oh, I remember that part again. So it's it, it was such a great presentation. I loved your energy. And, you know, I always ask uh, to do a little rapid fire at the end of these uh, just mm -hmm. for fun. Um, but what is your favorite book? That's a good one. I would say as far as fiction book, uh, The Great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as professional book, well, I would say Great Gatsby or Unbroken. Unbroken is a phenomenal nonfiction book, um, but I'm a big fan of business model generation. The business model canvas really helps to like orient and organize ideas. Um, so I would really get familiar. Like if you're trying to like move an idea forward, whether you're on the shop floor or in a business, using the business model canvas is a great tool. So business model generation is one that I've, I've referenced a lot. Wonderful. And then uh, what's your favorite music or band or? Um, give me, give me early John Mayer trio, uh, is a, is a good spot. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Now best advice that you've ever received. You know, I should have planned for some of these, uh, man, I've gotten so, so much good. Um, this is the best part though. It's like whatever comes up, um, if you plan for it and people do cheat, they look at past, you know, episodes and know these are coming, but it's, yeah, it's I, didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want to go that route. Um, 
you know, I will tell you, so one of, um, when I was back in the IoT space, uh, one of our um, investment bankers, as, you know, any startup, the, you know, the, the kind of the president role, the role that I was in, it's easy to get pulled, you know, and dispersed energy is just such a sacrifice. And he would just, every time I would talk to him before he would say hello, he'd be like, what's your highest and best use? Are you operating in your highest and best use right now? And there's been countless times in organizations post and leadership roles and all of that, where I always ask myself, like, how much of my time am I spending in my highest and best use? Because again, the vacuum of the organization will pull you into the tyranny of the urgent. And so you, again, you got to fight for it, man. Like, what was I made for? What was I made to do? And I know that's kind of a ethereal question, but I think if we really spend some time, we know what we're really good at. And how much of that time are we spending like really like operating in those gifts? And so I would say again, using that lens of highest and best use. How often am I spending time in my highest and best use? I love that. And we always do the strength finder and find out what our top five strengths are based on this assessment. But then you get to pick, you know, which ones you want to really amplify. I love that um, assessment. I was talking about it this week. Okay. Very last thing is for some young person coming into this industry, what advice would you give them? The industry is ready for revolution and it's going to take young, passionate people to pay honor and humility with humility into the generations that have come before that know machines better than they know other human beings. And so take the opportunity to learn and listen. Uh, we we think we're know-it-alls, but we're not. We have so much to learn. Um, and so take that humble posture to listen, learn, and understand, but then take that and go and do not look back. Um, there's so much opportunity for this industry to continue to be I don't like the word disrupted, uh, but to just be made better and made whole uh, and solve that problem of the lesser workforce that it's going to have, you know, as we as we move forward. Well, I love that, uh, Jeremy. Thank you again for, you know, just meeting me and saying yes and showing up to the podcast. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to connect you with our audience and our world. And just if we can be of any help uh, later on, let us know. And just thanks again for being here. Yeah, absolutely. It was my pleasure. Uh, Thanks for what you do. So everybody else, like, subscribe, share, do all that great stuff. And until next time, be empowering. 